We are made by our Creator to live with longing. We're actually designed to be hungry, physically and spiritually. And today, I'm going to try and persuade you to go on a diet with me. I know. After all the mashed potatoes, it seems necessary, right? Can I ask the booth? May I see the people? Thank you. That's so much better. If I'm going to convince them, I've got to see their faces. Um, I want us to go on the Advent diet together so that our actual longings and desires can be met. You know, if you really need a salad and you eat potato chips, you're probably still hungry after the potato chips. So today, we're going to talk about the things that actually nourish us, bring us life, actually feed our souls. So today, we're going to talk about the Advent diet, food for the journey. Friends, we're on a journey to worship Jesus, the King of Kings. And actually, we're on this journey the entirety of our lives, as Jeff said earlier. You know what? We need sustenance for the journey. There's a lot about eating in God's word. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 34, verse 8, which says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Join me in looking at today's passage. It's from Matthew 2. It's on the screens 1 through 2, the message version. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, this was during Herod's kingship. A band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we're on pilgrimage to worship him. Hey, friends, we are pilgrims. This world is not our home. We're on our way to a place where there's no sorrow, no tears. We're on our way to Jesus, to worship him forever. The first time I visited Israel-Palestine, which was about a decade ago, my guide for the journey was a woman who's a pastor and spiritual director, which means part of what she does in her day-to-day -day life, in addition to leading a church and preaching, is she sits with people with the divine. She sits with others and helps us to pay attention to what God is doing and what God may be saying in that space. And let me tell you, she was an immense and continues to be an immense gift in my life because she asks me hard questions. It's a good, hard relationship, right? And she asked us this before the trip. What are you willing to leave behind to fully enter in? What are you willing to leave behind to fully enter into this pilgrimage experience? We're going to be in a new place with new people we don't know, with languages we don't speak. We'll have tour guides for sure. But what are you noticing about God while we're on the journey? What do you see, smell, sense, touch, and actually taste that helps you to know God's presence with you on the journey? Well, I hope we will do that together today. What will we leave behind to fully enter in? Will you please join me in a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them now, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace 
and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Show us, O oh God, how to trust you with our needs, our longings, our desires, and our hunger. Please hide me behind your word and guide us as we listen to you with open hands, open hearts, and open lives. In the name of Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Kurt Thompson is a psychiatrist and a theologian. He studies the intersection of spiritual formation and emotional healing. And he's written two great books, one called The Soul of Shame, one called The Soul of Desire. I commend his work to you. He says this, and it makes sense to me. We all are born into this world looking for someone, looking for us. We remain in this mode of searching the entirety of our lives, looking for someone, looking for us. Zorak actually said the same thing. I was searching for something, he said, to fulfill, something looking for me, to fill my deepest needs and longings that I have within. We are searching, we are hungry by design. Well, what are we searching for? We're searching for God and God's presence with us. And the more we practice attention to that day in and day out, the more we become aware of it. So we're looking for God's presence, and there are two places I propose to you today that we can find it most readily, in God's word and in God's people. This is how we discover that God is present to us and with us. I love David Benner's writing. I might have suggested his book to you. It's one, my favorite of his is called The Gift of Being Yourself. He says that the parts of us that feel most broken and we keep most hidden are the parts that actually desperately need to be known by God. Those things that we tuck into the shadow need to be healed by the light of God. We're going to talk about light and the light of Christ all the way through Advent this year. You know, at the very outset of humanity, the word of God says in Genesis that you and I were created by a we, not an I. In Genesis, it goes like this. Let us create humanity in our image. God exists in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just as we are designed to desire God, we are actually designed to desire connection with one another, not to worship those people. Again, as Zorik so wisely said in that video, not worshiping the people or the pastors, because we're gonna fail each other profoundly, amen? Yeah, we are mere reflections. The whole of life for us is lived with hunger. How many of you overate on Thanksgiving? Yeah, me too, I didn't cook, but man, I ate. And I always think it's so odd that you can eat and feel full and you're like, I know it's not just me, like I'm so full, I am not eating again for like a week. I am so full, and then doggone it, a few hours later, you're hungry again, am I right? And you're like, maybe just a little sliver of that piece of pie. But then a turkey sandwich would be good with that too. But God talks about this in God's word. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 6. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. God's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. I love that. From Psalm 63, 1. God, you're my God. I can't get enough of you. I'll hunger 
I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. Do you see how I'm tying this into the Magi? The deserts. They had to be dry. They had to be weary. Their hunger for God, their pursuit of Jesus, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the baby in the manger, kept them on the road. There is so much language about food and eating and banqueting in the scriptures. It's stunning. Guess where else people talk like that? Right here at MCC. Shelley says it all the time. Oh, we set the table for our students. What does she mean? Well, literally, we set the table. We love to feed our students. But by setting the table, by using that imagery, the point is we set the table and create a place where they feel welcome and nourished and they can meet and interact with our Savior and Lord Jesus. All right, where the wild things are. How many of you either read this in your childhood or you've read it to a child? It's an awesome book. It's an awesome book. And Maurice Sendak had a habit of writing children who would write to him. So if a, children, if a child wrote him a letter, he would sign like a you know, pre-printed card with his signature. He'd like sign a little scribble over it and send it back. And then one day, he got a letter from Jimmy. And Jimmy goes on and on and on in his note about how he can't go to sleep without reading it, how it's his favorite book, and it has to be on his nightstand because he has to read it first thing in the morning. And Sendak was so moved by this child's letter that he took a postcard, did an original drawing on it, and then mailed it to the child. Can you imagine? I can imagine being the parent of that child. I open this up, it's an original Maurice Sendak, and I'm like, I am tucking this away and college is paid for, right? I can sell that baby. So here's what happens. About a week after he sent the card, Maurice Sendak gets a note from the mom. Dear Mr. Sendak, thank you so much for that beautiful drawing. We were amazed, Jimmy loved it. I'm wondering, could you please send another because Jimmy liked it so much, he ate it. <laughs> True story, Maurice tells it himself. Well, what about us? Do we love God's word in a way that we eat it? You all know I love Eugene Peterson, and he actually entitled a book about studying scripture, Eat This Book. Is there any precedent for that? Oh, oddly enough, I have one from the Bible. Revelation 10, verses 9 through 10, you can look it up later. It says this, I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll, and the angel said to me, take it and eat it. It will be bitter in your stomach but sweet as honey in your mouth, and I did it. That's not the only place in the Bible people actually eat the words of God. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, John had also eaten books. Apparently, it's a good diet. I'm thinking it was high in fiber, but that's just me. What's the point to this? The point is that when we take something in, we ingest it, it becomes part of us. We gnaw on it. We mull over it. Think about one amazing, perfect bite of something you had at Thanksgiving and how it brought your senses alive in your mouth. That's what we get to do with God's word, not hurry through it. Peterson says this, there is only one way of reading that is congruent with our holy scriptures. It's to trust the power of the words to penetrate our lives and create truth and beauty and goodness. It's writing that requires the reader to close their eyes after reading a line, repeating the words and pausing 
so that the word's meaning spreads through one's blood. This, he says, is spiritual reading. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think when we talk about reading scripture, it seems more like an assignment than an invitation. And yet, God is inviting us to be changed by God's word. As one of my friends says, you know the amazing thing about the Bible? It's the only book you'll ever read where the author sits with you while you read it. That is true. Sometimes I think, oh, I've read this passage a thousand times and I, and I read it fast instead of savoring it and ingesting it. Participatory reading changes us. Theologian Karl Barth says this. He says it better than I can say it, so I'm not going to paraphrase him. He said, we don't read the Bible to find out how to get God into our lives and to get him to participate in our lives. No. We open this book and find that page after page, it takes us off guard. God's word surprises us and draws us into its reality, into God's reality, pulls us into participation with God on God's terms. Friends, that's how I want to live my life. That's what I want my Advent diet to look like. And you know why? Because if I let God and God's words change me, then my partnership with Jesus is on display in my life. It shapes who I am, and it means that I show up with a cup of cold water, or food for the hungry, or ears and silence to listen with a friend who's in pain. I am spiritually hungry. Are you? This Advent, I invite you to let God feed you with God's word. C.S. Lewis always um, has a sharp word for me, I'll be honest. He says this, and it, it cut me right to the core this week when I reread it. It seems our Lord finds our desires not too strong, he says, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures, fondling about with things of the earth, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies and cannot imagine what is meant by the invitation to a holiday at sea, he says, we are far too easily pleased. Are you eating a mud pie when you can have a banquet? So how? How can you do this? Well, there are lots of different ways. We have the Advent reading plan. We invite you to join us in that this season. Every Thursday morning at 8 o'clock, except Thanksgiving when I forget and go on a turkey trot. Sorry, friends. Um, we, a few of us from MCC meet over Zoom, and you are all welcome to join us. We do something called Lectio Divina, which just means divine reading. And the way this process works, it's a spiritual practice that's ancient. All the participants sit and listen. The passage is read over three times, and with each reading, there's a question. Why? For this very point, that we might chew on God's word mull it over and consider it. Ever had a raspberry that's really bright? You sort of go like this in your mouth and you let it roll around and taste the whole flavor. That's what Lectio Divina is like with God's word. You are invited to join us. You can find that on our app too. Life is Advent. Life means eating all the time. 
Life means paying attention to your spiritual hunger. Life also means going on a journey, and friends, we cannot go alone. Following Jesus is individual work that can only be done in community. Let me say that again. Following Jesus is individual work that can only be done in community. You know why? Because just like me, you're not objective about yourself. We cannot see what someone outside us can see. There is wisdom in going on a journey together. Jesus hung out with some disciples. Even the Magi traveled together. There's got to be a lesson in that for us. So don't go alone. Some of us went to Thanksgiving this year. Some of us went to Friendsgiving. Why? Because in Friendsgiving, we gather up together. Do you know that the table is one of the most intimate places we have in society today? Something different happens when you're sharing a meal. Our monthly meetup groups are encouraged to meet at a table around a meal. Why? Because we let down our defenses in a different way. We share the stories of our life or maybe the hard chapter we're in and we listen differently and we share. We pass the bread. We pass the cup. You've heard me say it before. My favorite sound is the sound of a party. Part of that's because I'm Italian, I know. But we are not meant to go through this life on our own. We are designed for attachment because God is attached. God lives in community. And we know from attachment theory, which it talks about, it's the study of and understanding of the, our earliest years of formation, particularly that first year of life when a child needs to attach to their primary caregiver. And we know three really important things happen. The first is what's called attunement. Is the parent, the caregiver, attuned and paying attention to and aware of the needs of the child? That's first. The second thing that happens is responsiveness. When the caregiver is attuned to the child, are they then responsive to the child's cries or grumpy face? Are they responsive? And then finally, do they engage? Do they engage? We get to do this because God gave us something called mirror neurons. You know, every time you look at a child and you go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and then they make a happy face, and then you do it again because they made a happy face, those are mirror neurons at work. And we all look a little bit ridiculous, and it's brilliant. We're designed to attach, and we all had human parents, oh my gosh. So as hard as they tried, there's no way for that to be perfect. So that longing for attachment continues in us, and guess what? That's our spiritual hunger. The one who created us is the one we want to attach to most. And the only perfect attachment comes with God, from God. And yet we need each other. Who's on the journey with you? Who are your fellow pilgrims? When we have one or two or three people who know our story and know our hardship, our pain is validated. And guess what? It's part of our freedom in Christ. In the imperfect reflection of another human being, we feel known and seen and loved because that person is the reflection 
of God. In her book, Searching for Sunday, Rachel Held Evans says this, the church is God saying, I'm throwing a banquet and all these mismatched, messed up people are invited. Here, have some wine. I like that. You know why? Because I'm one of the messed up, mismatched people. There was a season in my life when it was the church. It was my community group that came around my family and they made sure we literally weren't hungry. They made sure we actually weren't homeless. None of them is perfect. Yet they showed up as messed up, flawed human beings made in the image of Christ. We all need to eat and drink to stay alive. And part of eating and drinking, part of meeting our spiritual hunger is God's word. Part of meeting our spiritual hunger is God's people. Do you want to go on the Advent diet with me this year? All right, here's some homework. I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry. In the seat pocket in front of you, I think there should be another white card around the seat in front of you. I want you to consider these two things. What do you need to leave fully behind to enter Advent this year? What do you need to let go of? Maybe it's an image of God or an image of yourself. What do you need to leave behind to fully enter into the Advent journey this year? The second question is this, what's on your Advent diet? What and whom? What new way or what old way revived do you need to encounter God's presence in God's word and with God's people? We serve, my friends, as flashes of light here and there on this earth to remind one another that God's presence, though sometimes hidden from us, is real and right here with us. We can discover together that God will use us to heal one another's wounds, to nourish one another on the journey, to celebrate the gifts we have received from God in constant anticipation of kneeling before the King of Kings, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's go on the diet together. Will you join me in prayer? O oh God of every longing, you meet us on the journey with sustenance for our pilgrimage. We are ever moving toward you, seeking you, and you continually show up. You show up in your word, you show up in your people. You're never, ever, ever gonna let us down. So we say we are yours, infant king. We love you and we pray this in the name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the with us this moment, Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,